guys, here we are with the Gen Red Pod, Ken and Scott, also with Big Red and More, Andrew and Jaden, Honky from Go Big Redcast. We had to do this. Here we are, gentlemen. We're going to discuss it. We're going to talk about why Mickey Joseph needs to be kept on as head coach of the Huskers. Now, look, for me personally, I'm a sucker for guys that played here. I, I was sucked in on the Scott Frost thing because I believe they know the culture of this mm-hmm. program. It's just a given. Granted, things are not what they were in those days, period. It's completely different landscape in college football. But they know the culture. They know what it takes to win. They've been around it. They've lived it. They've breathed it. So for me, I mean, gentlemen, just having a former player as a head coach, for me, checks off a box. I don't know about you guys. Ken, what do you think? Well, a former player as a head coach is a good thing, even though the last one wasn't. Uh, The difference is I think these guys play at a different level under Mickey after haven't seen him for four years before he got here. Uh, they play at a different level for him. Uh, but it doesn't cover up the fact that uh, some of the coaches under him probably aren't as good as they should be, be able to win at a Big Ten level. But there's no doubt that Mickey motivates those guys. Uh, I love the idea of a former Husker who understands the standard uh, being here. Whether he's the head coach or not, Mickey needs to be here. He needs to wear that N on his freaking chest. End of story. He has to be here. And I know there's a lot of people out there, uh, even on in the Twitterverse, especially in the Twitterverse, that are saying, well, Trev Albert shouldn't tell the next coach who he gets to have on his staff. Bull crap. Yeah. I'm trying to be nice, Brian. Uh, they oh, hey, you have- can say bullshit, Ken. That's okay, exactly bullshit. what it is. Bullshit. I didn't even cuss on our show earlier today, so I've got some stored up. All right. (laughs) But but, uh, bullshit. Mickey needs to be on this staff. End of story. And if the next coach is worth his salt, he understands he doesn't want to have to recruit against this guy at all. End of story. So Mickey has to be here as head coach, associate head coach, whatever. Mickey has to be wearing the end on his chest. That's That's my take on it. I agree, Ken. I mean, just having him on the staff, period. And from what I've understood, uh, from what I've been told, what I've seen, what I've heard, Mickey's willing to stay on this staff, whoever the next head coach may be, if it's not him. So, I mean, that's a plus right there. And also, I think Bill Bush needs to stick around, too. So, But that's neither here nor there. This is about Mickey. So, all right, Scott. Give me your thoughts, man. What are your argument here about what's the first thing that would check off the box for Mickey to be named permanent? Honestly, I think it's just that the players respect him. Um, That's just an observation that I have uh, based on press conferences, based on video footage that we see inside of the locker room, just floating around on social media. As far as I can tell, the players love and respect Mickey Joseph. Um, Whether or not he stays around as a head coach or not, I, I, I agree with my dad. He's got to have some integral part of our team in some way, shape, or form. Um, yeah, the number one, players respect him. And then I think not to go with that, that coincides with that, is that he's a great influence on the players. He's a great role model. 
He's a good father figure. Some of these kids don't have dads or have absent fathers or some of these kids, they they've got dads, but you know, having another father figure in essentially a, a whole different world of college football is, is, is crucial for these football players. They need to feel like they're cared for and, and looked after, but also given a harsh finger and, and disciplinary action when, when they're not holding up to a high expectation. Um, so I would, I mean, that pretty much just describes character. I think, I think Mickey Joseph has a lot of character and uh, integrity. Um, so those would be my, my main things. I've got a billion other ones, but I want to kind of hear what other people are, are thinking about Mickey Joseph before I start to go into a little bit more with that. All right, representing the uh, Go Big Redcast, Mr. Redcast Honky. Now, you guys are never quiet. You never hold back. What would be the first check mark for you to keep Mickey Joseph as head coach? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, having someone that has some familiarity with the program, that, that doesn't hurt. Uh, I've never thought that the coach has to be a, a former Husker, but if all things are equal between two guys and one person has Husker ties over the other, I mean, that is a, that's an added bonus. And that would be something that uh, could tip the, the scales there. I think specifically with, with Damon or not with Damon, with, with Mickey is that he is, he's a recruiter and he immediately, the second he stepped into the state, the reason I was saying Damon was we had Damon Benning on the show back in April and he specifically talked about, it. he goes, the difference in Omaha in recruiting Omaha in the last five months. And he was talking about dating back to basically the time that Bush and, and Joseph got here. He's like, it's, it's night and day difference. And the amount of times that they had already gone to all the schools, and he brought up Bellevue East. He goes, when the heck have, has Nebraska been to Bellevue East? And they've been to Bellevue East. So, I mean, the fact that he, he, he could name off, rattle off 10, 15 schools. Now you look at what Nebraska is doing in recruiting Omaha. You look at recruiting in Omaha already for next year, the 2024 class. I think five of the six kids in state are Omaha ones. There's three in the 2025 class, and they even have a – 2026 kid from Omaha. So um, there's a lot of continuity there. And I just think it's, it's important that to keep that momentum going, it, whatever capacity he's going to be here, I, I really want to see him back here because we have a lot of momentum going in the recruiting area in state. And then also, I mean, he obviously brings you uh, a lot of the Southeast and the SEC area too. Mm-hmm. I like that. I really do. I, I mean, seriously, it, it, it really is one of those things that, Going back to, I, I believe, what you said, Scott, about him being a father figure. Look, Trey Palmer's going to follow this guy wherever he goes, mm-hmm. period. They were talking about it during the game. I, it, he is a father figure to Trey Palmer. And his bags were packed ready to go when Mickey was. So, yep. All right. This I have been waiting to get to. Big Red and more, Jaden and Andrew. Your guys' <laughs> show is amazing, by the way. The colorful language that you guys are allowed to use. I am envious. I am absolutely envious of you guys. So this is, I was excited about this because the F-bombs were the one thing I've got to shy away from on this show. So I almost felt like maybe I'm cutting the leg out from you guys here. But Jaden, let's go with you first. What do you want to check off that first box for Mickey to be head coach? Uh, well, you know, for me, it's a lot of what you guys have already pretty much said. For me, the biggest thing was obviously recruiting. Uh, he He's going to be, you know, constantly out there. Uh, you've already seen it as well. You know, he's been all around the country just trying. And he doesn't even know if he's going to get the job. But yet he, he still 
even if he doesn't, you know, him being a part of this staff, the new staff coming in, it's just, I think, could be uh, very, uh, I don't know what I want to say here, but um, but the the thing I noticed most after he took after Scott Frost got fired, and when he took over, you know, he he uh, like the first day in practice, he met all the players. They all have his respect as they're coming in, and and as well as when when they're on the sidelines. Um, did you guys ever see Scott Frost come up and talk to any players? Because I don't feel like I ever did. No, no, I don't remember. Not, not so. So I'm seeing that that that's like the biggest change for me. And, and, you know, he, he goes out and he's constantly coaching, you know, he, he, he goes to him after after a play or a good play, a bad play, whatever. And he's always coaching. And that's that he's gained my respect for that. Yeah. You saw it during the game, during Wisconsin, he got on Anthony Grant a little bit. And I think it was for you know, the dancing he can do in that backfield, it, we saw it a couple times. If he would have just gotten north and south, he had an extra four or five yards of pop. But mm-hmm. instead, he tried bouncing it outside. And you saw Mickey. He's got his arms out like, don't go outside. Go right here. So, yeah, he's not afraid to let these young men know when they screw up and what he's trying to tell them to do. It's for mm-hmm. a reason. All right, Andrew. Last but not least, my friend, give us your first check mark for Mickey to be kept on. So the thing that I really love about Mickey is he has such great self-awareness, right? Mm. So um, like the awareness of like where the program is, like as far as like when he says like we need not only do we need talent, but we need like depth as well, because obviously the depth is lacking, especially when he talks about the offensive line. And, you know, the awareness to go tell Grant's like, hey, you got this like Le'Veon Bell style where you want to sit and wait for these blocks to develop. Well, we don't have the blockers to let that develop. So you need to just get down the field. And then also to the recruiting point, you know, like at Bellevue, I think uh, Scott really took this for granted. It's like, well, you, you live in Nebraska. You want to play for the Huskers no matter what. Well, that's not true. Omaha's mm-hmm. got so many kids where their parents come and they're in the Air Force and everything. Their parents aren't Husker fans. So, I mean, if the if Nebraska coaching staff isn't coming in and showing you love, you didn't grow up with it being pounded in your head that you're a Husker fan and that's that, you know? So mm-hmm. I think for me, the biggest thing that Mickey Joseph shows and his greatest trait is his self-awareness. I like that. I really do. And yeah, it, it's true. He, he's very self-aware. He knows what this program means to a lot of people, but he's, not so self-indulgent with the program that he thinks everybody in Nebraska just automatically wants to come here. It ain't that way. Mm -hmm. Like you said, a lot of parents aren't Husker fans. I I went to school with a lot of people that weren't Husker fans and to this day still aren't, but have been born and raised right here. So just because you're from here doesn't mean that you're a Husker fan. It's a a lot for people to take in. 18-year-old kids, they've never seen us be great. You know, other than on YouTube. So that's another thing. Like the the longer we go without winning, you know, the longer these kids go their whole lives without seeing us win. Hell, twenty two year old kids haven't seen us be great. Really? Yeah. No. Nope. That's tough to think about too. I, I mean, seriously, it, God, we could make a whole another episode about that. Like, gentlemen, what do you remember? Uh, 
the daisy <laughs> oh don't get me started i know we could <laughs> go not I get do. me we started would, no I we'll never it. get done with this i don't even know I would just sit here and would be- nod my head and be like, I've seen VHS tapes before. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I've, heard the, I've heard the cassette recordings. <laughs> I remember Vocalini scaring Scott count? half to death when I got jumped up out of my chair and screamed bloody murder after uh, Corey Schlesinger scored that second touchdown against oh. Miami in 1994 because Scott was like five months old and scared oh. him half shitless because he didn't know <laughs> Who is this maniac in my living room right now? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And that was the last, uh, other than three years after that, that was the last I remember watching the Husker football really truly be at a level of greatness that, uh, yeah, would make me do that, scare the shit out of my own kid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we talked about what would give you your first check mark for Mickey to be head coach. Scott, let's start with you on this one. I want to, I want to go on the opposite side of the spectrum here. And I like this because you are definitely more the realist. Uh, like Ken just said, Wait a minute. I'm just saying he didn't, <laughs> he didn't get to see any of the glory years in person. So he has developed quite the different opinion. Now on the opposite side of the spectrum, what would be the first check mark for Mickey not to be named head coach. This could be a tough one. It is kind of a tough one. I'm um, because there, there's a lot of little things in my opinion. There's a lot of little things that are that are a con uh, for Mickey Joseph becoming a blue blood program head coach, and that would go for any interim head coach working for a blue blood program. My number one thing is kind of uh, along the lines of experience. Um, He's got lots of experience as a coach, but he doesn't have very much when it comes to not only one being a head coach, his only head coaching experience is with Langston University. That's not a D1 school. And then he doesn't have any Big Ten experience either. He's only dealt with Southern Conferences, Southern Hemisphere to a little bit of Big 12 Midwest area. Um, So as the uh, the bussin, you know, the bussin with the boys would say, you know, it's the uh, what do they call it? it? We're the Midwest, but the there's the North. What do they call it? The the Middle East. That's what they call it. Uh, <laughs> the Middle East. You know, we're a Middle East conference. You know, really, Iowa and Nebraska are probably the only two true what I would consider geographically a Midwest team. So he doesn't really he doesn't really check off the boxes of of big 10 coach um he doesn't really have much experience when it comes to that can it translate can an sec national championship assisting coach transition to the big 10 and and make success happen here in theory yeah um but we we don't know we really don't know his i'd say that my number one con would be just lack of desired experience let's put it that way desired experience because he's got a crap ton of experience don't get me wrong i'm not bragging on the dude i mean he's been coaching for as long as i've been alive so he's got experience but does he have the right experience for this exact program where it's at currently i don't know i gotta agree with you there scott i mean as far as i'm concerned yeah the the experience as a high level head coach 
would definitely turn me off from it. Um, the other thing I would kind of throw in is I have noticed he's willing to let a coach make a mistake before he makes the correction. It's as if he wants them to be proven wrong before he's proven right, which I believe that's what he was doing with Shenander in that Oklahoma game. He saw how horrendous the defense was. It wasn't getting any better. Boom, gone. All right, that was that was your chance. Um, with Whipple, I think he was kind of hoping he wasn't coming back in the second half of that Michigan game so he could call some plays instead of just saying, hey, what you're doing is not working. I need to take over right now. That's just my take. Those are those are the only oh, things I wanted man. to throw in there. So, Honky, let's throw it over to you, my man. What yeah. would you check off in the cons part as far as not hiring Mickey? Well, I tend to be a kind of an X's and O's guy. And when it comes to uh, what Mickey's done so far, I think it's amazing all the things we've said so far with what he's done with the team and, the, and just getting the – the mentality of that group, you know, back. I, I was concerned after the Oklahoma game that this was going to be a team that was just going to fold and we were going to have a, a replay of 2017, which is the worst football I've ever seen us play. Oh uh, we didn't have that football going on this year, but we still <laughs> obviously kept losing. But uh, regardless, uh, a, a knock on him is the offense this year. And it's did you did you turn over every possible stone you could, whatever that looks like, uh, during the season, um, you know he's limited. You know he takes over a, a, a job four games, and let's not let's not uh, try to you know give him you know say that he should have done things that, that would have been impossible. He couldn't go into free agency and bring in guys you know in the middle of the year. Couldn't do that. But did we do everything we could offensively? Defensively, he gets rid of Shenander. He puts Bush in there. Uh, we saw a noticeable difference as the season went on. Offensively. Uh, it was pretty rough, and there are some things schematically that we could have been doing. We've highlighted that a lot on the show, and uh, there are things that we could have been doing differently throughout the season, but uh, uh, we didn't make some changes, and we had opportunities. There were times. There were bye weeks where we could have made some some, uh, some moves and some changes, and so, I mean, I think that's something that, you know, every game, he had a nine-game, uh, you know, audition for it, and so if you're someone that's, you know, saying he's not ready for the position or he's not qualified for it, you'd probably point to a lot of the losses that we had during those nine games. Really can. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you hate to put in wins and losses for the, the position he was put in, the, sure. the shit that he had to take over. Yeah. And, I mean, he, just yeah. getting, just Watch getting the language, team playing Brian. hard. Watch your language. <laughs> just getting the team to play hard. I was concerned the Oklahoma game, we looked – that was maybe my most concerning where I, I felt like the effort wasn't there in some instances. Mm -hmm. And that was, is what got me thinking about 2017 a bit. Um, and then the next concern was the difference between 2017 and today is you have NIL and transfer portals. You've got guys that have only been here for a couple of months in some cases. And, you know, how how bought in is a guy that hasn't been in the state even, you know, since spring? I mean, we had yeah. guys that were – coming in, you know, later than that. Right. So um, it's a real credit to him that he was able to, I think, kind of galvanize the team around him. And, and uh, you know, the effort has not been an issue. I've not watched this team the last five, six games and been concerned at all about the effort. So I know that he's a guy that, that he has the attention of his teammates or the team and, and they play for him. Uh, it's just, there's some schematically X's and O's wise. I, I, I feel like there were some times that, uh, we were lacking on the offensive side 
This is a defensive conference, and they've really proven that. And so, you know, when we play Purdue and <clears throat> you have Palmer running downfield 20 yards, no one around him, I mean, we got done with that game. And we we're like, well, that's not going to happen again. Yeah. I mean, he's not just going to be running free with, with no one around. I mean, I couldn't – I don't have no idea what the Boilermakers were doing, but you knew that wasn't going to happen again. And by the next game, you've got the Illinois game, and and uh, Mickey was, you know, post-game talking about, hey, Palmer, you got to get off of blocks. you got to get off the, the line of scrimmage. And and so we have a lot of issues there offensively that uh, it, the O-line a lot of times gets the, the vast majority of the blame, but I – there's a lot, it goes a lot deeper than that. All right, Ken. I mean, look, I promise I will watch my language from here on out. Maybe. <laughs> right. This is your show, dude. If it's we're lucky. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I heard a disembodied voice come from out of nowhere asking me to watch my language. That could have been Matthew. I don't know. I don't know. All right, Ken. No, on it was your Andrew. It was Andrew, not me. Andrew, come on, man. <laughs> you of all people. I've heard you guys. I mean, come on. <laughs> we don't want Ken, you stealing our thunder, you know. <laughs> I can't. I literally can't. I wish I could at times. I do. I really do. All right, These Ken, you're pressing cons. Their use of the F-bomb. So. Dude, is it? It yeah. is amazing. It is an art form almost. I mean, yeah. it, I'm not sure. Jaden, is it you that's constantly just dropping them? No, it's not me. Okay, no, Andrew, it's then it's you. Andrew. Yeah. All right, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. The last episode mm-hmm. I listened to, I, I think there was at least 10 within a 30-second period. It was great. Mm-hmm. And none of them were out of place. It wasn't because nope. you couldn't think of anything. <laughs> it's because that's how yeah. it emphasized what you're feeling. <laughs> there so, were an active modifying an yeah, yeah. All right, Ken, your pros and yes, cons. Sir. Cons column. What would be the first thing to turn you off from Mickey being head coach? Well, the fact that his only head coach experience is going to be the nine games that he's coaching this team. Um, because that was one of the first metrics that, that Trev put out there was a guy with power five head coaching experience. A lot mm-hmm. of it. Nikki or Mickey's going to have nine, nine freaking games. And, and like, and like, uh, honky said, how much can, can Mickey do as a head coach on the X's and O's side? It's unfair really for this to be an interview for Mickey. Really what Trev is looking at with Mickey is not what he does on the X's own X's and O's side what he does on the uh, leadership side. And I think Mickey has proved his leadership and the fact that this kid, this group of kids has not given up. They have fought to the very bitter end of every game, especially yesterday. Um, but <laughs> speaking of X's and O's, when the X's and O's does not let your defense get off the field, but for, you know, 37 minutes in the game and the offense mm-hmm. only possesses the ball for 23 minutes of the game, 48 plays. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it does not bode well for him as head coach, but I don't know. I know he and Trev talk every single Monday of the, of since he's been the interim, they sit down they talk how long they talk. I don't know, but I have a feeling Mickey has told Trev, this is what I want to do on the offensive line. This is what I want to do for X's and O's on offense. 
this is what I want to do for X's and O's on defense. And I have a feeling Bill Bush is highly big time part of what Mickey wants to do on the X's and O's on defense. Yeah. No doubt in my yeah. mind. No doubt in my mind. Um, but is that good enough for Trev? So for me, the biggest strike against Mickey is a lack of inexperience or lack of experience and B what's he going to put together for a staff? How many guys are going to come over with him from LSU? How many guys are going to come over that recruit at a level that he does? Cause for me, that's the biggest check Mark in, in Mickey's column is the fact that that dude can freaking recruit, which is why he should still be here regardless of who the head coach is. Um, and then the other one is, and I hate to say this, I really, really hate to say this, but I wonder, there's a bunch of shit bugs on freaking Twitter <laughs> that are going to look at, at, at Trev and go, oh, you hired Mickey. Cool. You played with him. So because you played with him, how many of those fans are going to be not fully on board with him being our head coach because they look at it as a buddy hire? That's what bothers me. That's one of the things that bothers me. People are not going to look at it objectively that Trev evaluated everybody that was out there, which isn't a lot of dudes. Let's be dead honest here. Other than people who have been fired, there's not a lot of dudes out there that Trev is going to look at. Um, other than hiring away from teams that are already competing and may end up being in a big 12 championship game, like a Kansas or a Kansas state um, places like that. So maybe he has to go outside the box and how many people are going to be really cool with an outside the box hire like a Mickey. Um, I just don't know if that's a negative or a positive for me. I don't care. I'm team Mickey. If Trev says team Mickey is good enough for him, Damn it, that's good enough for me. Because obviously Mickey has told him something that he wants to do in the future with this team that probably does not involve, fuck me, I hate to say it, Mark Whipple, Donovan, <laughs> or, 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 you know, Donovan Raiola, uh, Zach Duvall, because fucking A, can you ever possibly experience a worse strength and conditioning year than 2022? No. Because nobody can get off a block because they're strong as hell from the waist down, but they can't throw a fucker aside. Nobody can no. throw somebody to the side on defense. Nobody. Nobody. Well, guys, the language has gone out the window. I think we can safely uh, yeah. say that. We're not going to do we'll, the explicit tag. So I'll, put, I'll put a disclaimer at the beginning, and I'll make sure to put explicit on YouTube and I'm Apple sorry, or whatever. Brian. You, I'm I don't sorry, Brian. I'm sorry. You said don't worry about it. No, he said don't worry about S words. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well. yeah, the S words. Yeah, it, I don't know what it is, but yeah, but you know what, guys? But you know, I watched it right out of my mouth, so sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm really well, sorry. Ken on the bingo card Ken, never apologize for being you, man. And Andrew, I'm going to say the same damn thing to you, my friend. Don't apologize one bit if it slips out. I don't give a damn. I'll put the disclaimer at the beginning. I was given permission for that. I don't care. It's just a hassle to put it in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. All right, Jaden, for you, my man. Yeah. What's your first check mark in the cons column? Well, it's it's been the whole it's been the same thing for me the whole time ever since he was uh, tagged with interim. It's it, same thing you guys all kind of mentioned is you know no 
uh, head coaching experience, especially in the Power Five. I mean, it, it's kind of rare you see uh, just a wide receivers coach go straight from that to head coach. I mean, what a D- Dabo did that, I guess. But, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to see that too often turn out very well. So, and then also, you know, he's been in the South – uh, for a, a good portion of his career, uh, coaching career. So my, my uh, I always think about, you know, he's a heck of a recruiter, right? Yeah. But what what does he know how to recruit to the Big Ten? You know, that's a whole different ballgame in my opinion. So th- those are the main things that kind of get me worried about it. All right, Andrew. You've been given permission, my friend. <laughs> Let her rip. Uh, yeah. What's um, your column? I think for me, it's just a fear of the unknown. You know, like you guys said, we don't know what kind of staff he he'll put together. Like, I don't, I don't think him being a head coach is a bad would be bad. It's just we don't know what kind of staff he's going to do because I do very much see him as being the CEO coach, you know, and not the X's and O's coach. So it's he's going to go hire his coordinator and expect his coordinator to coach that offense, not him. Same thing with the D coordinator and special teams. So. I think for me, my biggest check or, you know, scares me away the most is just the fear of the unknown and what kind of a staff he's going to put together. Um, I think to Jade's point, I think Mickey can recruit anywhere. And um, if when we retain him on staff, because he'll be retained no matter what, I guarantee Trev's not hiring a new coach that isn't going to keep Mickey. I don't know why we don't have an NIL deal with the airport to be able to fly kids in. So, the big knock on recruiting, right, is our location and like why we got out of Texas and recruiting in the Big 12. Well, they, parents always had games that they could drive to the game and everything, right, to go see their kids at least once or twice a year. Well, why don't we come up with the NIL deal then so that every so that recruits and players can all have their parents come watch the games? Like, don't you feel like that would put us over the top? I think so. I really do. I mean, the NIL has totally changed college football. It's almost Mm. becoming the wild, wild west if they don't rein this in soon. So uh, there's got to be some more rules and regulations put in place, I believe. But it is in its infancy of the NIL. So hopefully it doesn't ruin college football. But I agree with you, Andrew. If they're willing to start paying players and everything, what's wrong with bringing their families in on, on, you know, commercial flights what, what's wrong yeah. with that bring them in you obviously can afford it and now it doesn't have to look so damn shady and completely <laughs> behind the curtain you can do this all out in the open you're not going to get in trouble yeah. for this anymore yeah i feel like that would that would completely change the game for us you know what's hard enough um, quote unquote hard enough to recruit here right because mm-hmm. we're kind of a terrible location for our conference and all that but as long as you're flying, who cares? And especially if he wants to go out to, you know, with USC and UCLA joining, he wants to go out and recruit all over the country, California, Florida, Texas, Georgia, all of that. Well, we're not going to play too many games there. So you got to find a way to get these kids as parents and family members to the games so they can watch them. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's going to be a big mm-hmm. deterrent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I, and, think, and, I think what oh, Andrew said sorry. about the CEO style is important because – you know, there's a ton of names out there, dozens of coaching names that we've heard over the last couple of months. And 
they all bring some something, right? They're an offensive guy, a defensive guy. It's a pro guy. It's a college guy. And we've, we've gone through every conceivable, you know, type of coach over the last 20 years. But the CEO style that, that Mickey is, is important because he's not bringing the X's and O's to it. There's a number of coaches that, um, it, you know, you had mentioned, Jaden, I think uh, uh, Dabo. There's a, plenty of examples of guys that haven't been power five head coaches. There are guys that uh, got their first job at a big school. I'm thinking, well, look at Jim Leonard right now at, at uh, you know, Wisconsin that we just played. And obviously Ryan Day. And you can go back to Bob Stoops. You can go Lincoln Riley. But a lot of those guys got into that role as a coordinator. So they're bringing some style with them. Mickey, I mean, I could see us being spread. I could see us being power. I could see us being a lot of things. Um, Mickey, uh, it's what is the staff that he's going to bring. And that's it's an unknown. It's not necessarily a negative because he might bring a great staff. And that's part of the plan that he has to be able to, to convince uh, Trev on that, hey, I need – I'm going to get this guy and this guy, and they're going to run the offense, run the defense, and and uh, the this is the style of play that we're going to play. And if Trev is on board with that, that's where I could see that that uh, happening. If he is hired, that's the stuff that needs to be explained to the fans that are going to be, you know, questioning it. And so that's you know that's part of kind of the first presser is hey, you know wh- what what was your thought process? Why did you go with this coach that's brand new and hasn't hasn't done this before? Well, this is what he laid out to me, and this is why we did it. Yeah, because yeah. everyone's going to assume that it's because he heard all no's, and that's why Mickey got yes. the job. Exactly. Mm. Yep. And hypothetically, let's think about this. Say Mickey is named head coach. He's going to make his own staff. I can almost guarantee Whipple, his ass would be gone. Thank God. All right, enough said about that. Very <laughs> underwhelming. <laughs> Hypothetically, he's he's going to get his own staff together. And Ken, to your point that you said earlier, mm-hmm. buddy hires they we've seen in the past they don't work very often. And I don't think Mickey's one of those guys that's going to do a buddy hire. He's going to get somebody to your point, Honky, and I believe Jaden said this as well. That's going to get the job done. It don't matter mm-hmm. if we know each other or not. I want to see your resume. I want to see what you have on film. What works? How successful mm-hmm. have you been? I don't think we would get a bunch of buddy hires. I think, man, am I wrong in saying here that if head if Nicky was named head coach, he would shoot for an all star staff? I, I I have no doubt of the, uh, about that, Brian. Uh, the only thing I was saying earlier about a buddy hire was that a lot of the fan base would consider Mickey himself to be yeah. a buddy hire for Trev because mm-hmm. they played together. So, because, you know, that's been the narrative for years that yeah. buddy hires and obviously the last staff that got hired in here in 2018 was everybody that was on the UCF staff. And back at the, at the time, all of us were like, okay, maybe that's not a good thing, but these guys are people that Scott trusts and they're going to be good yeah. and this, that, and the other, and they're going to figure out how to make sure the Big Ten has to adjust to them, <laughs> right? Um, <clears throat> and it didn't work out. It just didn't work out. Um, if your buddies, if your buddies are good, hire them. <laughs> you know, I have no problem yeah, with buddy yeah, hires. Almighty, I have no problem with you them know, either. But yeah, Bob Diaco was a, a, you know, he was a Broyles Award-winning coach and not a buddy hire. <laughs> but he was, it was a terrible fit here for what we were trying to do, right? So, so you know, he would have checked. He, he, and he wasn't exactly a great it. fit at Purdue either. So, no, no, not, a, <laughs> not at all. 
The thing that Mickey does, he appreciates the talent piece of this. And look, there's X's and O's, there's Jimmy's and Joe's. I've already stated I'm an X's and O's guy. But the best teams obviously are the ones that have the best X's and O's and they have the Jimmy's and Joe's running it. And what Mickey does is the combination of he is a recruiter. If you read that, I think it was a Sports Illustrated article a couple weeks ago where they followed him during that one uh, bye week. And he's sitting there doing recruiting meetings and he is hounding his assistants. You know, that player you looked at last week on the on the recruiting trail, you know, is he a starter on day one? You know, tell you know, he's getting detailed on that. And so one part of talent is recruiting it. The other part of it is developing it. And so right now, if you look at me, I'm looking down every once in a while, I'm looking at my fantasy team because there's Justin Jefferson, and that's one of his receivers that he sent on there. And there's Chase and some of the best. You know, NFL wide receivers are guys that he's been coached, the tutelage under him. So it's mm-hmm. development of players because look at the offensive line the last four years. We've recruited top 100 guys left and right for Oscar yeah. and, 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 you know, Ben Hart and Corcoran. So it's, is it a recruiting issue? Is it a development issue? Is it an X's and O's issue? I don't know, but, but uh, it, it's not as simple as just saying, well, we just don't have talented guys, right? Because unless the recruiting services are lying to us, you know, we've tended to do pretty good in, on the recruiting side of things, and we tend to do per, pretty poor on the on the uh, execution and the outcomes. <laughs> yeah, the production hasn't quite been there. For the recruits we've seen come in, we're, we're not getting the production out of them that we should. That, that's for damn sure. Now, there, that, there's, go there's ahead, a good, Yeah, uh, I, I would say what Honky just said is absolutely key. Production is one thing. Because dude coming out of high school, I've seen the Corcoran tape. I've seen the Ben Hart tape. I've seen the Prohaska tape. These guys kick everybody's ass yep. on the field in high school. But once you get to college, it's a different level. You just can't expect these guys to come in at freshman and go, do what you did in high school. you got to develop those guys. And that's not what we've seen over the last, especially the last few years. Um, since a lot of the guys have graduated on the offensive line that were here when Frost got here, that offensive line has taken a step back mm-hmm. um, because I don't think the people that Frost brought in knew how to develop them. I just don't well, think they did. You think you think about where do you develop players? It's in practice, right? What yes, is sir. something Mickey's been able to do over nine weeks? At least mm-hmm. he's been able to insert some of his ideas when it comes to practice. Not all of them. But, you know, something as simple on defense is tackling, right? I mean, Thank we've, you. we've struggled at tackling, yes, right? Okay, well, we, we have gotten better. But O-line, D-line, how much ones versus ones do you do? I mean, we, mm-hmm. we talked with Osborne earlier this year, and that was we went deep into 90s offense and what were some of the things you did and what were some of the traits you did. And physicality is a big deal. And, yes, sir. you know, that we're not losing football games because we're in the Big Ten. We're losing football games because we're not playing good football at times. And yeah. – and uh, you're going to get better if you're playing against good and you're being physical in practice and you're doing the things that uh, it takes to, to win in practice. Exactly. And who's done, who's, who's benefited more from being more physical in practice than Ernest Hausman? Oh my goodness. That dude has been Ooh. a beast. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he hits somebody, he, they him up, he was everywhere or they're going backwards. And okay. how many people on that defense can you say that about besides Ernest Hausman and maybe Garrett Nelson, Ty Robinson when he gets when he gets free to do it. Uh Ernest has absolutely benefited from live tackling as a true freshman. That guy is gonna be scary good here in about two years. 
scary. It's only going to get quicker and stronger. Yep. I, I mean, well, yeah. Well, he should. Not <laughs> he should. <laughs> well, Ideally, yeah. He, yeah uh, <laughs> you, you know what? Let, let, let's kind of go off the subject here a little bit. Strength and conditioning. Look, we, we've all seen it. It's an issue right now. And what I don't understand is this. It's not the same defense we had last year, but we had a defense that carried us through many games and gave us a chance to win a lot of those games. And we expected them to be even better this year, but we're seeing just absolute shit. They're getting worn down. They're out on the field too long. Granted, I know that's a lot on the offense. But what has happened in strength and conditioning from last year to this year? Time of Scott, 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 what do you think? We haven't heard from you in a little bit. You're just sitting there. I'm thinking. I'm absorbing. I'm oh, listening. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. My from my observation, I am not an expert of of any of by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but from my observation, what I see in the strength and conditioning program is the inevitable bubble that we were going to expect to see. Um, that we had a lot of super seniors last year. We didn't have particularly great defenses for the first three years of the frost era. We just so happened to have that COVID super senior year last year with some, (laughs) some pre-developed talent, um, that honestly, I think it was all talent. I don't really think it was, uh, strength and conditioning. There is definitely, uh, evidence. I'm going to blank on the name, so I'm not even going to attempt to it, uh, right now, but there have been multiple NFL uh, scout players, um, uh, I mean, even starters that went to the NFL and, and the strength and conditioning coaches for these NFL teams looked at our guys and said, whatever it is that you learned at Nebraska, forget about it because you guys were so mm-hmm. damn behind with the times. You, mm-hmm. I don't even know how in the world you, you made it on our team because you are weak. You need to change everything about your, 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 your techniques. It's all bad um in the in the gym specifically um so that is like that when i heard about that i was like holy mother of god no wonder why we've had a quite literal bend don't break defense because that's all their strength and conditioning has ever been is a bend don't break um so I really think that what we've been seeing this year is just that coming to true fruition is we don't have an actual guru in our strength and conditioning uh, staff. Zach Duvall is not it. Um, What we are seeing, I think, I think what I have noticed in the last five years of this specific uh, era of Husker football post Scott or pre and post Scott Frost is that, our team gets better with live reps, but they they reach they they hit a ceiling, and once they've hit that ceiling, they can't go much further than that because they're not getting anything out of their practices. They're, I mean, I want to say practices, but they're not getting anything out of those weight lifts that they are supposed to be having throughout the throughout the week, and so they're only going so far. They're only able to get so much intramuscular strength going for them. Um, so I really think, yeah, we've got to change something on our strength and conditioning staff. We've got to get a state-of-the-art mindset going into our program. We need somebody who's on the the cutting edge of strength and conditioning uh, uh, like uh, rubrics. 
we need a guy who knows the science of strength and conditioning and what is up to date with the NFL. And honestly, the top five teams in the country year in, year out. What is Alabama doing? What is Georgia doing? What is Clemson doing? What is Ohio State doing? What what the hell are they doing? Why are their guys good the second they step out onto the field for every season and they only get better throughout the rest of the season and they're able to close out games? I think that falls on strength and conditioning to a higher degree than I think uh, Husker Nation is really uh, – given enough credence to yes there are x's and o's that are important yes you've got to have experienced coaches that are coaching these guys with the correct techniques but i mean there's only so far techniques going to take you if you don't have the gas to get you going somewhere so that's just my that's just my observation i'm completely capable of being full of shit so if <laughs> if i am like definitely you know okay. learn me a thing or two just believe uh, yeah, me for that because you know yeah. chip off the old block. <laughs> Scott, I think to your point, it's it's uh, we're the all get off the bus team. You know, we have all these show muscle show muscles, but we don't have performance muscles. Yeah. So, you know, and I think I think we can even look closer than looking at Alabama and Georgia and all these guys. Hell, we can go look at Iowa. We can look at Minnesota. We can look at Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, their their issue. You know, they're great at development because they don't get the talent. They don't get better recruiting classes than we do, but it's because they're doing something in those training rooms, in the weight rooms, that their guys can go a full game and progress and get better through the game where all of ours fall off. So I don't I don't think we necessarily have to go watch or reach out and see what the top five teams are doing. I think we can look in our own backyard. Oh, I, I completely I completely agree with that. Um, I guess maybe I just have a little bit. Sometimes I, I tend to go a little bit more towards like, I mean, if we're going to do it, we might as well do it the to the highest degree we sure. possibly can. Yeah. But mm-hmm. to give you a devil's advocate, I mean, let's let's do some baby steps here. You know, like let's let. Yeah, let's look at the Iowa's. Let's look at the Wisconsin's. Let's look at hell, even Minnesota and Illinois up to recent history. They clearly have a good strength and conditioning program and a lot of discipline when it comes to their athleticism. So why not look there to, to get that baby step forward? Um, I did want to say really quick, I, 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 I just wanted to say one of the main reasons why when I, when we were talking about pros and cons, the first thing that came to mind was just character um, instead of recruiting is because, I mean, yes, we know we've got a good recruiter with, with Mickey Joseph, but to what degree, you know, like, is he, is he recruiting great offensive linemen? Is he recruiting great defensive linemen, good linebackers? I mean, he can in theory, sure. Maybe in Omaha, but where else, where else can he, he where else can he provide that talent? Clearly, he was able to see something in Jamar. He was easily able to see something in Jamar Chase, a top 100 wide receiver. That's a given. But Justin Jefferson, not even a top 1,000 player. He was was outside of the top 2,000. He was like 2,200 in the recruits, barely a three-star. So he was able to find really good wide receivers. Um, And the reason why I bring this up is because if, if we're looking for a coach, that can have a CEO mindset. Um, he, he needs to obviously identify talent, but my God, we need to figure out a way to get great coaches here that can 
start to identify all of those other things. Like dad and I have talked about me and my dad, we talked so much about trenches. Who cares about Justin Jefferson's who cares about, you know, uh, for, for our own sake, you know, a Levante David who cares about that at this moment, if we can't even get pressure on the quarterback and we can't elude pressure on our own quarterback, we've got to start there. And what I Damn, think, I've raised him right. What, <laughs> yeah. I, what I think, what I think is most important that Nikki Joseph, this is just my observation. I want somebody to critique this because this is an observation I have. It might be intuition. It might just be emotionally driven. I don't know if it's facts driven. Um, what I see in Mickey Joseph as a, as a, as a major pro is that he, I've heard people say it already. He's a CEO. Does he have an X's and O's specialty? No, he's never been an offensive coordinator for any program as far as I'm aware. Um, but he does have that CEO ability that I think is unique. I think he knows what a good coach is. He might not be able to critique their X's and O's, and I think that's what's important about having guys around him. But when I think of Mickey Joseph, I think of a guy who is so good at being a CEO, he's not going to micromanage a damn thing because that's what makes a really good CEO. You can have – honestly, this is my bias. This is my bias. I don't like head coaches that are X's and O's guys because they they get too caught up and micromanaging that part of the game. One of the things that Nick Saban did that made him so proficient as a top-tier coach is he stepped away from X's and O's when he realized that he was no longer up to the game. He just found the guys that were going to continue to evolve the Alabama program to be the greatest program of our current time. Um, And I see Mickey Joseph being that kind of guy. I see him being the CEO that looks at it and goes, I am not an expert in the X's and O's and I'm okay with that, but I am an expert in knowing what makes a program function correctly. That, yeah, that I think the, the, the best head coaches are the ones that can identify in themselves what their strengths are versus not. And not it, I don't want to try to pigeonhole and say this is what makes a good head coach from a bad one Osborne was pretty good as a head coach and he called all the plays and it was his offense and he knew it better than anybody so from coach to coach you'll find it different right Um, some coaches then make that transition like you said with Saban you know Bob Stoops was a great DC but when he kind of took over the the head coaching job it it became more of a, a, a head coaching role for more CEO Bo came in here as a great DC and never really really transitioned to the CEO type. He really wanted to, to be the the DC. And there are some years we were good and sometimes that we weren't. I think when we were talking about the strength and conditioning stuff and we will compare it to Iowa, I think, or the Minnesotas, and there's still not an apples to apples thing to me with that. Because I don't know that we can we can come to conclusions on what our strength and conditioning is if we're not doing the same things after we get done lifting. If we're not practicing the same way, we're not doing those those things the way that Iowa and Minnesota and Wisconsin are, I don't know that we can just sit there and say, we're not strong. We're coming off the bus looking good because they, they've worked out. They, they, they put in the time, they put in the effort. Um, the first coaches clinic uh, that Frost did, I would go to the coaches clinics in the spring every year uh, dating back to Solich. And so I went to the one and the first guy he had up on stage was Duvall. And he wanted to make a point that, you know, strength and conditioning is going to be a, a, a hallmark of our program. And he said that the famous thing of we're going to do Husker power and, and Oregon speed. And that was kind of his 
that was at least the uh, the theory there. Now we never really quite saw that, but he <laughs> uh, Duvall was at Buffalo when the Buffalo Bulls when they had Cleo Mack, and I remember he showed on the stage he showed four photos of Cleo Mack his freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year, and you saw the development in Mack from this kind of chubby freshman, and by the time he got done, he was just you know a brick shit house. And, <laughs> and so the idea, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know enough about strength and conditioning specifically to say that we're not developing guys to, to make them big and strong. I mean, the, the last year when we had Ben Stilley and we had Jojo Doman, we had those guys that were fifth and sixth year guys. Uh, I think it was some of the strength that they got here over the course of four and five years. That is what led them to, uh, you know, be able to get into the pros. And now they're, they're playing on teams and making teams. I look at Garrett Nelson. He has absolutely transformed his body from when yeah. he came here to where he is now. But I also I questioned the X's and O's and what we were doing defensively for a, a number of <laughs> years here. Are we are we putting guys in the right spots? Um, I think the three four is a real challenge. And this is something if I was Trev, I'd be talking to, to Mickey about is defensively, what do you want to do? Do you want to continue down this three four route? Do you want to go back to a four three? How do we recruit towards a three four? Three four is a very different alignment and body oh, type yeah. that you need versus the four three. So how many times over the course of the last, ever since Diaco, really, that was the year that we transferred to the three, four and we bet it ever since. How many times have we brought in a guy like Ben Stilley who comes in as an outside linebacker, stand up running around. And by the time he's done, we're trying to build him into a 290 pound D end. I don't know. That's the right spot for him. And so getting guys identified and into the right spots, look at Garrett Nelson. Now he's, He's putting his hand in the turf, and if he just goes and, and rushes and is a true rush end, he's pretty damn good. He's pretty good in that. And then the next play, we're dropping him back and into coverage, and and it's kind of a mess. And so I, the, the example I always use with this is is Trev Alberts. You know, our, our athletic director wins the Butkus in uh, 93, and he was a 5-2 outside linebacker for his first four seasons here. Stand up, in coverage, and when they switched him to a 4-3, he was no longer an outside linebacker. He was a D end. He rushed on every single play. He got 15 sacks, I think, that year. And that's what got him into the pros. Mm -hmm. um, he won the Buckus. He shouldn't have. He should have won the Lombardi. The Buckus award goes to an outside linebacker. He wasn't that. But, again, that gets into X's and O's. And that's how do you, how do you translate all the strength and conditioning you're doing into play on the field? Then how are you practicing that? All those things, like, come into, into play there. I mean, I just – what it does is it doesn't make me feel good right now because it leads me to have more questions about what have we been doing the last two, three, four, five years. And defensively, it, it's really it's an enigma to me because we kept improving every year under Shenander from year one to two to three to four. And then this season, it completely dropped off. And and I, I have I mean, I have a lot of questions. We did some things differently schematically. I You know, we bring Oshan in. We're we're going to we're going to blitz guys, man. We're going to have so many sacks and everything in the first two, three games, you could barely find Tanner and, and Nelson and Ocean on the field at the same time. No Let alone they weren't rushing at the same time. They're dropping back into coverage. So I'm uh, hmm. probably going off into to a different tangent there. But uh, Oh, no, not at all. See, in my no, opinion, the, the, the way Zach Duvall could save his job ultimately is if he's just willing to evolve. We had a legendary coach back in the day. You guys may have heard his name, Charlie McBride. He revamped that defense. He went down south to Florida, studied how their defenses were so quick and fast. So he transitioned into a 4-3 for a base, 
made these guys quicker, stronger. If he's willing to go to the Ohio States, the Bamas, places like that, it learn what they do and transition it here. You could save your job. My, my, my question right. is, I don't know that he's not doing that, to be honest with you. I really don't. Now, I don't think if we're bringing someone from the outside, if we're bringing, hiring a, an outside head coach, they're going to bring their strength guy in. Anyway. Yeah. So I'm not trying to def- defend Duvall or try to save his <laughs> job here. But Duvall is right out of the tree of, of Boyd Epley. I mean, he was right there in the 90s. In fact, they brought, I think it was Mike Archer, I think was the other guy's name. I might have the, the last name wrong. But, the I mean, I've, I've watched Duvall giving – uh, you know, uh, strength and conditioning, uh, you know, presentations. And I mean, it's all about the science, right? I mean, I think you'd hear a lot of the same things he would talk about that any other strength coach would anywhere else. I just, I'm not knowledgeable enough about to be 100% honest to sit there and say where he's doing something right or wrong, but I just, it's hard for me to sit there and the X's and O's changes that we made there, McBride, that's awesome. That's on the DC and the head coach to make those changes. Duvall, his job is to get guys lifting <laughs> and the science, by the way, the science that they do in the, in the weight room, um, Tyler Kai, uh, the associate AD, he just gave us a tour on Friday of the stadium. And we were around and we've done this a couple times with them and we were in the weight room and the weight room is going to double in size as they open the new facility next summer. But, you know, we're in squat inside of squat racks and there's your uh, little iPad system. And I mean, it is science down to a court. They have a, wow. um, they have a squat machine where you, each foot is on kind of a, a weight thing on the ground. So it, it judges how much, if you're putting more pressure on your left or your right, you know, maybe you're, you're favoring like sensors in the floor or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. So wow. it, 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 and then if you are putting too much pressure on your left, because maybe that's your strong, le- your strong leg, they can do more exercises on your right leg to try to build it up. So, I mean, they're doing a lot already. I think with the, the same technology that the Alabamas and anyone else are using, I mean, the, there is n- nothing that Nebraska is short of when it comes to facilities, research, any of that stuff. I mean, in fact, good Lord, the whole East Stadium. I mean, the, the stuff that they do when they bring kids in on day one and they get a baseline of a kid. I mean, from I mean, they'll, they'll put stuff all over their body and figure out every single little nook and cranny of them so that when they go into concussion protocols or they get injured, they have a baseline where they can say, well, this is what he was like on day one. And yeah, you know, this is this is where he's at now. So, again. I, I don't know. I mean, I I, I have questions <laughs> have you, about a lot of things. Have, but have I, you ever have you ever watched or gotten interested in rally car racing? I know this is an odd question, but have you ever have you ever been interested in that? I, I have not. Okay, so the the way that I look at strength and conditioning is that you can have the fastest car built superbly, engineered the science behind what built the car is absolutely phenomenal but there's one aspect that makes that car good and that is the driver and the caller the guy who's sitting next to the person who's driving the car telling him right turn six left turn dip five and he's like basically labeling out what's going on in front of him every step of the way so that the driver can make the right judgment calls of how to how to make that car go where it needs to go at its peak speed and efficiency and it also really depends on how competent the driver is um and the reason why i bring that up is because you can have all of the bells and whistles of a weight room but if there isn't a good driver 
to make that weight room as efficient as possible, a computer is only going to take you so far. And that's where I think that we are behind in our program is we've got all of the bells and whistles coming up here soon, but do we have the brain behind it to actually make it come to fruition? I don't think so. Um, we would have seen something a little bit different in the last five years if, if that were the case. That's my opinion. I, the, I, 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 think I, I where I where I challenge you here is that it still comes down to practicing football is how good you're going to play on the field. And so I Zach Duvall, it, our tackling, it, our tackling is going to look like we're a bunch of weak guys out there if you're not practicing <laughs> tackling, and that's not something we've seen you know, it. So, you know, so, so, so to it, be devil's advocate, you're saying like, yeah, I mean, maybe, I, maybe, maybe Zach Duvall isn't as bad as we think he is. If we were to have, I don't know, be tackling and conditioning our bodies to the appropriate environment. Yeah. I mean, if, if we were, you know, it's one thing, what are we doing in practice with our offensive line? I mean, I, I defend the O line sometimes, not because they, I think they look great out there. They don't. Right. But, but what are they being taught to do also all off season frost, that brings in Rayola to run to he's going to do really innovative things with run blocking the things that that Frost has wanted the O line to do. Awesome! What happens after uh, September 11? Uh, we don't have Frost here anymore. Now we have Whipple. Is this what what Rayola was brought in to do? Are we are we doing the styles of blocking? Are we are we actually taking the physical gains that we made in the weight room and taking them to the practice field and, and on you know Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday? Uh, doing the things to, to get the players better. I mean, those are the those are the questions that I have. And again, I think you know if this is a question, this is a discussion about Mickey. I'm not even guaranteeing if Mickey was the head coach that Duvall would be the guy, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because he's here, I mean, I, that I don't believe that. But I definitely yeah, that was going to be my question. If you're bringing someone in from the outside, if it's not going to be Mickey, then you're almost guaranteed. I mean, you you almost never see a guy a strength uh, guy stick around if you're bringing an outside coach in. I mean, a lot of times those guys already have their guy that they're going to bring with them. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, look, holy Christ, we've been going over an hour. That's the first time I've done an episode over an hour in a long time, <laughs> very long time. But I'm damn happy we did. So, I, I look, the reason, a lot of the reason we do a half-hour show is just – Let's face it, guys. People's attention spans are not what they used to be. Nope. So getting people to tune in for an hour and a half, two hours, which is how we started on Scarlet and Cream. And come to find out, people weren't too hip to stick around and listen for an hour and a half, two hours. You know, they'd come back maybe here and there. But, yeah, just I found out it was a lot easier to keep people in and trying to keep it tight so, so you're trying to tell me we need to shorten our show no it works <laughs> for other people it just didn't work for us i got you we, man. i'm just messing i'm just messing yeah we couldn't <laughs> keep people around and started asking around and they were like yeah you guys kind of go off a little too long so i was like all right well shit yeah, see, we we have we have people tell us the other stuff, you know, like a lot of times people like I I like the off script stuff that you guys get into the weeds, <laughs> yeah. you know, like yeah. some people. It just depends on the person, really. But like yeah. I had people yeah. tell me that too. So like this year, I've started doing more of like bulletin points, and like right. I've had some people tell me you need to quit being so serious about going back to your your topics. They're like <laughs> we like it when you guys go off the rails a little bit. So to each their own. 
Yeah. Yeah. See, Honky, you guys have been doing this for a while. I mean, what's the biggest criticism <laughs> you guys have got? Oh, I mean that uh, we've got Kool-Aid guys or you're not, you know, well, right I here, think right we here. try to paint people into into certain corners. You are an optimist or you're a realist. <laughs> and I've always considered myself both. I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic about the program. I think that we can always get back to a, a level mm -hmm. of being a national player on a consistent basis. Um, I'm also realistic from what it takes to do that. I've, I've equated that to a guy like Devaney when he came here. He's the perfect example of he was as optimistic as you could be. In 1962, after 20 seasons of Nebraska football being very similar to, to what a lot of that we've done over the last 20 years, to be honest with you, he came into a, a, a situation where we didn't have facilities. We didn't have all that. We were, we were 20 years removed from being a, a national player, and he dreamed things and said, hey, we can win national titles. He thought that from day one. But he yeah. also looked at the situation and said – but to get there, this is all the things we have to do. I mean, he had to be a realist on where we, we struggled, where we, what we needed mm -hmm. to, to get better at. And it's that combination. I mean, but you got to have a little bit of both. But being a realist, just, just for the hell of being a realist, a lot of times you're just a dick. I mean, more times <laughs> yeah. than not, when I've dealt with people on, on Twitter or whatever, they're I'm just, just a realist. Me. <laughs> yeah, if it's just, you know, like I'm so proud of being a realist, oh, I wouldn't want to hang out with that that person anyways. It's It's – it's being real. It's being real about what the situation is, but understanding that there are positives here. And this is what Trev talked about with what he's going to hire. He's going to, we're going to take the strengths that this program already has from sellout streaks and NIL and facilities that are as good as any place in the country. And we're in a, mm -hmm. the one, one of the best conferences, if not the best conference for it. Um, all those things. We have a lot of strengths here and let's stop being stupid and making mistakes that, that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, our, our counterparts aren't making, let's figure out what it is that we want to do and, and put all of our efforts towards that. And, you know, I, I'm incredibly optimistic that this program can get itself turned around, but it takes, this is a huge hire and it takes a big time decision and the right hire this time. And, and I guess, uh, and I'll stop with this. When you look at the last couple of times that we've made coaching changes, we have rebooted everything. Not yep. a single person back. We've started over from scratch, and it looks like it every time. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I think it's important for a guy like Mickey to be back in some capacity, whether that's head coach or not, Bill Bush, in some capacity. I've watched that guy give multiple talks and, and presentations. The guy's amazing. LSU doesn't have Joe Burrow if they don't have Bill Bush. And when you think about LSU in the you know in the national championship locker room after that game and they're smoking cigars and there's Bush and and Joseph talking about how cool would this be to do this in Lincoln Nebraska because they mm. bleed red and they love it here and mm -hmm. they happen to have the the background the history that they have too i don't think you have to tell a coach coming in mm -hmm. to keep them yeah. i'd be really concerned about any head coach that would have to be convinced why to keep a coach that has that has the 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 resume that those guys already have. And there's some other coaches on the mm -hmm. staff too. So let's not reboot everything. Mm -hmm. There are some good things going on. We've, and all of us have mentioned different things that are positive that are going on. Mm -hmm. The recruiting, why would you go and reboot everything all over again? We did that in yeah. 2014. We did that in 2017. Let's not do that in 2022. So I think to your point, that's kind of like the Browns, right? So the Cleveland Browns mm -hmm. kept constantly having all this yeah. turnover all the time. The one thing that they needed is, they needed to sift and ride themselves through the crap, through the 
pool of crap or whatever and swim through it. it just because they needed stability. They didn't need the constant turnover. It needed stability. So mm-hmm. I think to your point, even keep a bushes, you know, even hell as an analyst for Christ's sake, you know, because the guy already said, if it's not here in Nebraska, it's nowhere else. Like I'm staying in Lincoln <laughs> with, you know, mm-hmm. his wife and daughters and stuff. So I think st- those two bring a stability and a realistic optimism that mm-hmm. we need in this program. Because mm-hmm. I think to your point, yeah, we're we're not dead. We can get there. It's just yeah, absolutely. I, I love I love Mickey. You, you we want to talk about a realist? Is Mickey optimistic? Because I mean, I would think a lot of people would say, yeah, he is. He has that kind of that that. Demeanor. Nah, he's a realist, and yet he knows what. And yet on. he looks at this. He looks at this uh, roster, and he's like, it's got to get better. It's got to get deeper. It's got to. <laughs> we got to recruit better than this. And and it's not just a star system ranking recruiting. We've got to get. Why didn't we offer? We need you know, dogs. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't we offer Flores from Gretna? Right. Okay. Well, uh-huh. uh, during one of the bye weeks, you know, the, the 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 talk is that we even went back into Gretna and even tried to get him. On top of the fact mm-hmm. that we're getting all these other in-state kids, mm-hmm. um, you know, I love it. I, I love his approach. The Malachi story. Yep. Yeah. We, we. I mean, when he said I wasn't even considering Nebraska until a few months ago and yep. he's like i think you know why like yeah. so when someone tells you there's nothing going on good here reboot this whole thing i mean it, it's all garbage start over from scratch bring someone in here and let's get this thing started no i'd say take a step back and this is what i'm hoping and obviously i assume trev is doing take a thirty thousand foot view of what's going on within the program where are we strong where mm-hmm. are we weak what should be kept what needs to completely be ripped apart and 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 torn you know torn apart but uh, let's let's be smart about this. We've, and in Trev's, I guess the, the positive thing here that we have is we have a little time. As we all know, we've gone two months now without a coach. And so <laughs> we've had some time and Trev has to identify what it is he's looking for. And and right. I just I get the feeling that that Mickey's going to be a part of that in some capacity. Absolutely. All right, guys. I well, completely agree. You know what? Let's rein her in. I, for one, I'm going to need a break before we start the next one. Because unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm a cigarette smoker. I, I kind of need a you, cigarette. You, you know. You, you go ahead, Brian. Just duck out. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna wrap this thing up, and I'm gonna throw a uh, outro video before we hey, end you, this thing. So just go out and smoke. It's all I good. the hell with that. No, I can wait till the end of this episode. <laughs> I'm not gonna ban on my own podcast yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do that. No, 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 no. no. All right. It's all so, good. gentlemen, okay. let's go ahead and plug. <laughs> where everybody can find you so generation red podcast scott ken scott how about you first where's everybody gonna find you well you can find me specifically on twitter at scott gen red pod scott spelled with two t's the second one is silent um <laughs> yeah that's basically where you can find you're that's so not freaking scottish yeah <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah, that's where you can find me directly, Dad. Where can where can they find our our overall socials? Yeah, at Gen Red Pod on Twitter, Facebook, um, YouTube, and Generation Red on your favorite podcast app to download the audio show of this particular show tomorrow morning or Tuesday morning at eight o'clock. All right, Redcast Honky, how about yourself? Give everybody the plug, man. Yeah, you can find us at Go Big Redcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, and YouTube is uh, where we've really uh, made our you know our biggest change here in about the last ten months. We've started doing all the live streaming and 
and everything there too. So we're on the Herd at Sports Network. Uh, you can find the the audio on any of the the big uh, platforms. And I do just want to say, I mean, we started this this show in in spring of 2017, so it's been a glorious six years. All we've seen is <laughs> losing season. It was right after the last nine and four seasons when we started. But I, I want to just give kudos to all oh. the other shows, all the other Husker ones out there. Um, we've done different crossovers with a lot of different shows, and, and they're all great in their their own regard. I mean, and we're different shows, and we 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 do cater to some different mm-hmm. audiences. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. we're all supporting the same thing. It is it is you know Husker Husker football, Husker athletics, and through social media, through Twitter, it's been great to interact with a lot of you guys, and that's how I got to know Ken so well too. Uh, it's been great to interact with you guys. I listen to as many shows as I can whenever I can, but uh, I, I really appreciate it. What Husker podcast nation does because uh it's it's unique not that there's not a lot of schools that have the type of support and the type of interest the way that that uh, husker fans do and the husker podcast do so well done everyone well thank you sir thank you very much and i kind of like that we should coin that husker podcast nation absolutely I like that yep. that is that could be a hashtag I'm just saying just saying go. all right J- Jayden, throw it out there every time we post something dude <laughs> <laughs> Jaden, where can everybody find you, my man? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Big Red More One. All right, uh, Andrew. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm Twitter as well at Big Red and More Two. Apparently, I guess I thought it was one, but never mind. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you're no, two. You're, you're not. You're two. James you're number one, number and two. you are number two. That's right. He took a first and pissed me off. I remember that now. Uh, And then, yeah, we got a Facebook page too, um, Big Red and More podcast. Um, And yeah, Mm -hmm. all the all the platform or you know podcast platforms. Go check us out. And to Honky's point, I don't know any other school that could uh, fan base that could support twenty of their school's (laughs) podcasts, but somehow Nebraska does it. Most of them are fan podcasts too. Yeah. 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 No doubt. No All right, hey. guys, you know where to find us at this point. Twitter, Instagram, at Husker Army Pod, YouTube, Husker Army Podcast. Find us anywhere for your audio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Buzz, Buzz Sprout, or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> uh, I, I lose track of what they're called anymore. I mean, my God, there's so many of them. Yes, yeah, sir. everybody, you know where to find us, guys. I can't thank you all enough for joining this episode. This has been a blast, man. Man. Not only did we start with talking about why the hell we should keep Mickey Joseph, we also go into other shit that we had no idea that we were going to bring up and gave excellent points on all of them. So, gentlemen, applause all around. I got to give you credit. This was absolutely amazing. Love you, bud. Absolutely love you. Love you guys, too, man. And so, anybody that's listening oh, to ahead. this or watching this after the fact, we're going to do another show. Here in about yes. a half an hour, where we're going to go into the top three coaches that we have all picked based on our votes that are not named Mickey Joseph. So <laughs> if you like Mickey, you might not want to watch that. But if you don't like Mickey or you just want to see what we think Trev is going to do or maybe not do, come hang out with us here in about uh, a day because that's when the show's going to come out (laughs) on Wednesday at 5.30. This one's going to come out on Tuesday at 5.30 on our YouTube channel. I know Brian's going to put it out probably late Monday. Um, And then the audio is going to be out on our 
podcast feed on Tuesday. I'm sure Brian's going to put it out there about the same time. And then uh, the next one that we're going to do is going to be out on our YouTube channel on Wednesday and our podcast feed about the same time. So uh, this has been great. Dudes, thanks for coming and hanging out. Uh, Thanks, Brian, for hosting this because you did an outstanding job. Way better than I'm going to do. I I barely had to say shit. You guys covered it all for me. It was great. You did a way better job guiding the conversation than I do on our own show. We've done this shit for two years now. So, <laughs> hey, and you didn't even have your co-host here to reel you in. I know, I know. It's, Kenny is the voice of reason a lot of times. I'm not. Gonna lie. I'll start. I'll start ranting. I'll look him dead in the eye on camera and realize I've said too much and gone too far. That's why I just like, all right, Kenny, what do you think? I, I, what he do you think? Just shakes his head. Pretty much, Shit. yeah. And or it's yeah. a five second moment of silence, <laughs> roughly. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, thanks, Brian. Thanks for doing you bet. this, man. Thank really, you guys. I can't yeah, wait to hang you. out with you here in a little bit. All right. Take care, guys. All right. Later. See ya. Oh, wait. You gotta be you gotta put us at ease, right? Oh, well, yeah, of course. You know, I, I feel stupid <laughs> for this now. Yeah, yeah. Husker Army, you know the deal at this point. At ease, and you are all dismissed. 